नमस्ते स्पीकिंग ऑफ प्रॉब्लम्स प्रॉब्लम ऑफ क्रिएशन वेल फॉर द क्रिएशन क्रिएटर इज द प्रॉब्लम एंड फॉर द क्रिएटर इट सीम्स दैट मैन इज द प्रॉब्लम सो एनी वेज वी आर स्पीकिंग ऑफ द एक्चुअल रिलेशन बिटवीन द मेनी एंड द वन दिस वन ऑफ द की प्रॉब्लम्स ऑफ एग्जिस्टेंस नाउ according to one line of thought the many is an illusion why because individuality is nothing but an ego individuality and there is no real truth in it and therefore to annul this ego individuality is the goal which creates a very uh, irrational paradox logically if the individual is unreal or it is only a fiction in time then who is liberated who should make the effort who is bound it raises these questions and if there is a reality of the individual then what is that reality and why it has come into existence so shubindo answers it because in traditional um literature we'll find this this big problem so there is the individual but he it's an ego individuality so if there is an ego individuality then uh, it's it's really kind of unreal uh, seeming reality and if it is so then what is the deal who is really doing the effort to be liberated anyways it's going to be dissolved after a point of time so this is the question shobinda has set to answer and in that we have seen uh, he is um, you know he is revealing to us infinite sat that pure existence then conscious force which is again infinite and infinite delight that is sachidananda the three terms of the the triune reality so the third problem is uh, if there is infinite ananda at the root of everything hidden bliss is the cause of things then why there is pleasure pain and indifference so again the problem comes back to the sense of limitation and the uh, illimitable being so anything which limits itself tends to give responses of pleasure pain and indifference take for example that if um, just see as an arrangement as a as an analogy that if um, i mean it's not a very good analogy but people feel very happy if their own child does uh, get 99% marks or maybe 100% marks who knows 101% marks so they are very happy but if the neighbor's child gets um, you know 100% marks and your child gets 93 they are very unhappy exchange the child and see the reactions change so 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 there is nothing that it is the event which created the response it is the value we gave to our relations in the world that created this response in other words all responses are essentially habitual responses so these responses have developed over a period of time because there is a purpose they serve so because one has to assert one's individuality which is an important linchpin for the manifestation of the divine so naturally and life has to assert itself so naturally there is this response of pleasure and pain but shubhendra says something very interesting he says uh, pain and pleasure responses then he says uh, the one is a deformed and the other a perversion of the ananda so pain is a kind of deformation so the same contact gives joy and at every level we can see say somebody pats you from behind and there is a response there is a you know kind of shrinking or shock or then you look behind you see oh it's your favorite friend 
अरे एवरीथिंग चेंजेस सो दे इज नथिंग अबाउट द कॉन्टैक्ट इट इज द वैल्यू दैट वी प्लेस अपॉन द कॉन्टैक्ट एंड दिस प्लेसमेंट ऑफ वैल्यू इज द होल ट्रिक ऑफ थिंग्स दैट द वी प्लेस अवर वैल्यूज बेस्ड ऑन एन इगोसेंट्रिक विजन but the moment we start playing the uh, placing the right values based on a larger vaster truth vision then the problem will be resolved so the whole secret is to get back from this sense of the many finite to the infinite but here comes the trick that we have put two realities apparently one is the finite and the other is infinite so when we get into the finite we will lose the finite so how will we exist this is what the isha upanishad and this is what shrivindra is trying to reveal to us that no you can be with the finite and yet one with the infinite so we can take certain examples and we'll say as the chapters come through so then there is this chapter that what is that power that makes the infinite seem like finite all of us are in our essence sachidananda that is the greatest word of the scripture that o set set ketu dawat god that's okay that's very nice when i read it but i don't remember it i forget it even if by mental memory i'll remember it still in my actions in my cognition it doesn't translate so what is that power that makes me forget my own reality so that's where comes the secret of maya now this maya has been understood in two ways the original sense of maya which is the right way to understand is that it is a formative power of the lord it is yoga maya it is the power of shri krishna is that's how it says it's my maya it is nobody else's so maya is that power which measures out delimits builds form and name to that which is in its essence infinite so it will remain infinite and the evidence of it is that any finite you keep on putting it scalpel take it to the infinite decimal still you can break it into some part because it is infinite so this is the problem with everything that you know whatever finite is there always in its truth secret truth is infinite yet there is this formative power of the divine which creates this sense of the finite and this what is called maya now people have understood maya most traditions that oh so this is maya which has created the sense of the finite it creates the sense of separativeness it creates an illusion that i am a separate individual and therefore i must get rid of maya but this maya has two actions one is the original formative power which creates multiplicity but without any of the element losing its infinity it is like a big house where everybody knows each other so in the original sense maya is that formative power which out of the one creates the many but each carries all within itself and each finds itself in all so it's a wonderful you know if one wants to read the description of what that world is here also shivinder describes it in the uh, you know after few chapters the divine soul and in savitri in book 3 canto 3 house of the spirit and the new creation so that's the supramental consciousness in which the many come but they are completely one with the they are all the time conscious of the one and conscious of themselves in all and all in themselves so there is no conflict there is no opposition there is no forgetfulness there is just a joyous play which is taking place all the time and it is this which has this vision from afar 
intuitively people have grasped this vision which has uh, you know given rise to the idea of avrindavana go lok where there is a constant dance going on or the idea of you know begham pura where there is no gham so there is a you know world where is no gham i don't know how that got distorted into the empress being begham because uh, well <laughs> she has to be looked after maybe but this is a state first level at which the maya creates many and each of them becomes the jivatma the divine soul or in shobindo's terminology later on uses the word central being so ultimately our origin is there so in the supramental world we all are playing with each other there is no struggle no fight we are enjoying the game all the time but then as shobindo says that attracted by the otherness of self we took a plunge this not described here this comes later on but there is this plunge which created this divine maya which in its origin doesn't make each of us forget the other it enters into a state of where each element starts experiencing itself as separate so each soul which there knows itself in all and all in itself it enters into a state where it believes it is separate from the from the rest it is separate from the divine now mother explains it very beautifully she says this kind of a forgetfulness was required at one level it's like when you make a ice cream god wanted to make a nice ice cream you know so when you make ice cream you put it in that uh, shell cone not cone that original shell okay um, that village they used to sell no ice cream in that malai baraf so in that cone you put it so th- what does that cone do it creates in each cone imagine you put a separate flavor now base is the same it is the same ice cream but because of the flavor it has become different so this cone is required otherwise you will make a khichdi so due to this there were many 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 created each expressing a unique way each is meant to express something unique of the infinite in the supramental world it is known but here it tends to forget because it has to be put in a mold what is that mold which is created that mold is created by prakriti and what is this prakriti we'll come to when we talk about supramental that how this division takes place in the original status in the divine maya force and self awareness they are one and the same there is no separation what one sees and knows that one wills and achieves there is no division so all the souls playing there exactly know what is to be done and what they know is done that is the beauty there is no dissociation but if it remains like that there will be no real creation in terms of time and space it is before time and space are born so then the moment time and space are born there is a succession of events there is everything has to be in different um, spaces and there has to be a state in which each one completely forgets itself for the sake of the growth that will come to as we come so that is the inferior maya so there are two forms two actions of maya one is the vidyamayi maya the vidyamayi maya is always aware of the oneness and the avidyamayi maya where there is a forgetfulness of the oneness and it is revealed to us in different stories like the story of ramayana uh, there is a moment when sita mata says that let's start the leela so in that leela she gives herself to agni and she becomes avidyamayi she is vidyamayi but she becomes avidyamayi so what is the first sign of that avidyamayi she um, 
actually doubts. She she is attracted by the swan mrug, and then when Rama goes to take uh, take this uh, swan mrug, she thinks that maybe he is attacked. She sends Lakshmana, and then when Lakshmana says it is impossible, she says no 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 you are trying to uh, cheat me. And then when Ravana comes, she is as if she is helpless. Now she is a divine mother, so the same power which is omnipotent becomes like the weak. Weakling of a child. Now this is required because if it was not to take place, then there was no Leela at all. Then Rama and Sita would be eternally happy in their blissful <laughs> home. So there are two actions of the Maya. One is where it is fully conscious of the oneness, and each of the its creation, each soul is fully conscious of the oneness, and there is no separation of soul with nature. So it is force one with unimaginable rest, and in the world soul, we will see that ground. Where the atmosphere, soul and soul stuff and soul atmosphere, everything is soul. There is not yet the separation of soul and nature, but then nature has to build the forms, and the soul begins to watch. That he describes in the next chapter. So this is the Maya. Inferior action of Maya is what we must get across. That is the Maya which creates the illusion of separateness, and it makes us forget the oneness. So that is Avidya Mai Maya. But when we Conquer avidya mai maya. We don't have to discard the finiteness, but then fully aware of the oneness, we have to play out our part. So this is what is about Miss Maya, who is so. It's it's not an imposition. It is the it's the divine power, and this power is the power of becoming. Before Maya, his his formative power, if you want to put it like that. And if Maya is not there, then there is only Sachidananda in oneness. Everything is there, but it's all one. But the moment creation starts, the formative power comes out, and that is Maya. Maya literally means that which measures out. The root being Ma, from which all this Mata, Matra, all this comes from the root, same root, and Maya. So it measures out the infinite. You cannot really cut it. You cannot divide it. But it gives the feeling of division and separateness. And then the next chapter is takes us straight away that well where is this divine Maya located? Who is operating it? And that's where we see the super mind as creator. Now we often think creator is the last word of creation. Creator is the last word of creation, but creator doesn't stop there. I mean God doesn't stop there. There is that poise in which the infinite exists for its own in its own light. Swam bhu swam prakash. There is no not even the impulse to create. So there is a consciousness which is beyond the creation and the creator. That is the infinite Satchidananda and the non-being Parbrahman, in which it is a self-existent reality. Then it is seized by its own power, which is inherent within it, the delight of creation, and that it is seized by the impulse to become many, by the will to become many. That's when the same Satchidananda turns towards creation. The next step. And then, when it turns towards creation, out of itself, it brings out its own omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence. That is what we call as God. So, what we call as God is ultimate, is actually the Creator, and from there, creation begins. So, we can compare this whole process to, let's say, an author or a painter or anybody who is creating anything, even cooking. Let's take a more, you know, common example. It's not common. It's not easy to cook. It's easier to write lines of poetry than really do a good cooking. But anyways, so just say that you have to cook. So there is before you cook, there is this vague idea 
but today there are guests and i got to cook that's it so there is this idea which is there you have to cook that's it now this idea will start manifesting itself you can't just tell him that i had a idea that i want to feed you something <laughs> so the guest will say okay but i want something concrete so this idea begins to take shape in space and time now you have somebody who brings the vegetable people who will chop it people who will arrange it people who will different things are created and then you know in terms of time you can't say i will cook first then get the vegetable there has to be a succession now this succession creates a certain progression so this is the second part now the idea is beginning to realize itself now in its realization now you see separate elements have come together now separate elements when they come together each element starts experiencing itself as separate and it doesn't know what is going to happen to it you know that song that anda kya jaane iska kya hoga so the same way you are chopping a vegetable vegetable doesn't know what's happening so it says oh my god what a painful event is taking place in my life i'm doomed i'm finished but it doesn't know through this process the guest who is going to come is none else but the divine and the universal mother is preparing a nice dish for the divine when it comes to know it will be very happy you know that story of champak lal ji where somebody recommended mother chicken soup she said i am not going to take uh, take it at all so uh, then champak lal ji tells her mother if i were a chicken i would be so happy to be <laughs> turned into a soup for you and the mother smiled <laughs> this is okay <laughs> so this is the there is another example of shurbindo when he goes to eat and somebody gave him fish offered fish thinking that is a bengali he must be liking fish by then shubhendra was not taking any 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 such you know meat or fish or anything not because of being a, a conservative or traditional or being a, a food fad nothing it just dropped off from his consciousness so shubhendra just smiled when somebody said he is a bengali he may be liking fish and someone said no 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 uh, he doesn't eat but then he smiled and then took the fish like buddha who took that last meal and so this is the way that element each element then forgets itself and because it forgets itself and it doesn't know that the succession of time it is ex- it enters a state where we begin to experience things only in a small fraction of a moment and a small space therefore suffering comes so these are all actions of the creator so super mind is creator but in its origin what is that in its origin the vedic rishiers described as the creative consciousness it is the vast luminous truth the very home of light there are ways they have described did they enter the super mind no there is no description to describe supramental life this is the first time we find description of supramental life in shurbindo's writings we see it in the life divine and we see in savitri but they were like the seers who stood on a very high ground mount everest which people have not even known and from there they saw the light of the sun or they went into the moon and from there they saw the sun is that wonderful the swarlok from there they said where are these rays coming from oh they are coming from that supramental world there they could see that unity they could see that vastness they could see you know uh, that luminous home of truth that they could experience but how that can create itself here and can it really manifest itself here was not known that's why the ish upanishad which is one of the highest in terms of reconciling the opposites the rishi says hiranmayana patrena satyasyapihita mukham remove this lid i can't see what you are trying to tell us <laughs> what is your law of truth 
I want that. And it remains hidden. Now, Sri Krishna, for the first time we see, gives us the first secret. Sri Krishna gives us the secret by saying, it is my Maya and you have to play out the role. Not the last secret. For the last secret, he was waiting for the world to be ready. And therefore, to give us the last secret, he has to come as Sri and to make sure that there is no this version and that version, directly write everything, prepare the yoga and give it to mankind. And of course, the mother without whom it's impossible to live. So this is the supermind as creator, which is the omniscience, omnipotence, omnipresence of the Lord, one who we know as the Lord and God. So we can, you know, but again, there are two ways of looking at it. It is not God, it is a personal God who is all the time busy to at a beck and call. Yet one can enter into relation with it. That's why we see in the Isha Upanishad when it prays to the sun, it uses certain names that you are the nourisher, the nurturer and father and prajapati, the lord of the <laughs> So he is all these relations we can enter with, into with him. And yet he creates with his omniscience, omnipotence and uh, omnipresence. So he is everywhere because it has entered into creation. It is the source, what is called as the source. Uh, so this supermind, what it does, it it immediately it begins to pick up the truth in the infinite Satchidananda and starts giving it, uh, it starts formulating it. So what it does, it first creates out of Satchidananda, which is one. So it creates Sat, Satlok, Chit, Tapas, Chitlok, Chidghanlok, Tapolok, Anandamay Lok and then it creates these worlds of unity and then it goes further. Like in a prism, when one light passes, white light, it uh, arranges itself into many colors. So all this, it's like each aspect of Satchidanan, then out of that, further and further, the lower triple words that supermind creates. And that's what uh, in this creation, the divine Maya, its formative power, in there in the supermind, they are united and First thing it does is, and that Shurabindu explains in the next uh, chapter, the Supreme Truth Consciousness. So, it has several actions. So, very interesting to see. So, imagine a poet is rioting. So, he is all, Mahabharata is inside Vyasa. He is doing chatpat to present, you know, something like a restless Easter. So, what is the first movement of all creativity? You feel the urge. Now, creative people know it. They call it enthusiasmos. You know that story of Vyasa that you know he has written so much but yet he is restless as if something wants to take birth. And then Narada tells me that it is the Bhagavat. You have not written the Leela of the Lord. So there is this urge. One is seized by this urge. There is this knowledge and will acting simultaneously. And then you begin to deploy it. Now in the first there is the idea and the force they are together. And the second where the idea stands back from the force and impels the force to realize. It's like Man and a woman, husband and wife together, they decide, we'll build a beautiful house. Wonderful. They're together on the same page. Then man says, I'll do the money earning, you do everything else. Or I'll just give the idea. Because idea is easy to give. He sits on the couch and says, why it is not done like that? Why it is not done? It should be done. So idea stands back and the force begins to execute. This is, the, this is how the separation between Purusha and Prakriti start. They are one. In the consciousness of the Lord, they are one. Ishwara and Shakti are one. They are not two. But for the purposes of creation, the idea has to stand back as the stable basis. If it forgets itself, then there will be chaos. 
So the force goes out and creates the idea is all the time behind. In this second poise also there is no forgetfulness. So the first poise is when the idea and the force are together. So that's called the real idea. And then the force starts executing what is there in the idea. And the third where the idea flows into the force and inhabits everything. Where it tends to forget itself. So these are the three ways of action of the supermind. And they are called by different languages, uh, different terms. In the, in, in the life divine, he uses terms like apprehending consciousness and comprehending consciousness. So what is apprehending? If you um, take a dictionary meaning, it won't make a sense. Apprehension. You are as if anxious about what's going to happen. Uh, apprehension is something which you throw toward the future. And where there are several possibilities. So you use this term in what a perfect way. Normally, apprehension is used as something in a negative way. What may happen? What may happen? So he's using it in this sense that in the original status of the supermind, first status, all the possibilities are there. Now, apprehension means what may happen. So it begins to move towards realization. Now, out of these possibilities, some will start turning into potentialities. So there is the throwing out. Now that possibility, even in human cell, that's how cloning takes place. If you go fundamentally, any cell can become any part of the body. That is what cloning comes to prove. But that's not how it operates because there is the real idea behind a cell will develop into a certain line. See, this cloning is a perfect example of how the real idea operates. So you see, there is this idea in a seed of becoming what it is. So there is this idea which will always stand behind as the ultimate truth. So therefore, it will compel nature to create ultimately what it is meant to create. So this nature operates, builds forms and all that and then enters into it. But when it has built a form, the idea which was always there behind enters into it and realizes itself. So you have the form of the tree. So this is how everything. So next is apprehension. And then it comprehends it completely, you know, the full reality that which is there in the idea takes shape. In supermind, all these three operations are together. So in the supramental truth consciousness, it's like the great story, right? If you ask Vyas, what's going to happen? Will there be actually Dusashan's Buja? Will Bhima will be able to fulfill the promise? He will experience delight. He will say, yeah, yeah, wait. But imagine to the real characters, they have forgotten. They don't even know the script. Because to know the script, they have to identify with the heart of Vyas. So they say, oh my God, will it happen? Won't it happen? So there is the same apprehending consciousness becomes, to put it in another way, apprehension. Will it? Won't it? Will it? Won't it? But ultimately, because there is this truth consciousness, it will realize itself. That's why those who said, Ultimately, God's will will fulfill itself because behind it, and in that highest plane where time and space are not, Everything has been already predetermined. That real idea contains itself in a flash the entire movie. The story script right knows what I am going to create. And because that script right is none else but truth, consciousness and delight. So what is the script that is going to be? It is truth, consciousness and delight. And we can see the difference between these two poises. Become an actor in a scene and forget the whole thing, you have to so much identify with the character that it may not be even good for you. There is a story that when here someone was playing out the part of Polydeon, the dark priest in Perseus, the deliverer. So 
he had so much identified with this character mother had to tell him don't identify so much with the character because then you have to but see for a good role you forget yourself and you become that but then after some time you wake up oh okay okay persis is my friend after all hi how are you doing so even politicians do that huh? they in party they'll debate in parliament after that when they meet in the dining room they are all so how much you come out and how much i come out so it that's how it works but that is a dark side dark infinity so this is how it works out here that in the super mind and if in a flash oh let's have a manifold delight so manifold delight means there has to be delight in every which way including the delight when there is a challenge a defeat and a victory comes out of it delight in which there is a surprise you know you'll see some of these uh, not recommended of course uh, wrestling matches you know so it's all fixed it's another example but people don't know they are betting on it so then the two wrestlers are in the arena now if you know that this fellow is going to win uh, they'll not be fun so not only you don't know the game is created in this way perfect psychologist that it will look oh this fellow is pakka going to lose he is on the ground he is going to lose he is going to lose suddenly he gets up last minute he gives one blow and he is gone now what is it it is the shock of the surprise so in this play remember surprises unexpectedness all create delight manifold of course if if he know it is a play like a child if he don't he say oh my god i was going to win this match and i lost you were going to win the tournament of chess and you lost it and then you will say after all it's a game don't take it so seriously so this is the difference so the truth consciousness the triple status of the supermind then shubhendra in the divine soul explains that what that soul will be which has not suffered the fall this is something very unique this chapter is amazing it is parallel to the house of the spirit and the new creation how it will experience life because there is no ignorance there is no falsehood no error no evil which are circumstances of the plane time and space there there is no time and space you create but even in the spontaneity of creation there is always the connectedness with truth so it's not like a separative creation only for preserving myself everything that you create is always in sync with the all and since all is in each therefore what you create fulfills the all it's beautifully each by spiritual links were joined in to all each was unique but it was not a monotone it fulfilled all but here when we have the play it creates all this falsehood error ignorance evil pain because again because of the avidya mahimaya so we think this is the that's the end of the whole thing and that's why before now we read the chapters the uh, some passages it's important to remember one of the best remedies for um, pain mother gives it and it's directly connected to these truths whenever there is a pain besieging us this happening that is happening and then there are people are is your life kya ho gaya tumhari zindagi mein making it worse people who sympathize with your pain are very often i can tell you are the worst people they are augmenting it manifold they are not helping you see the way 
Oh, this happened, oh my God. And then they will add, Bhagawan ye kisi ko na de. As if you are the marked by God to suffer. Don't listen to such people, okay? The right people are those who remind, look here, fine, this has happened. But there is a greater truth. Lean on that. I'll tell you a real example. There was this man who used to believe, oh, I'm a big, politically connected, powerful man. And if I just say one word, 500 people will come immediately. And he had turned, just turned to Mother and Shurabindo. And his wife was undergoing a surgery. And during that surgery, it was a very minor surgery. And you know, people gathered outside, a big thing happening. But it's a very small thing. And she lost her life in the most unexpected ways. Wrong blood group. Something which is criminal. You can't imagine in a big hospital taking place. And she died. And she died and obviously he was in great crisis. That See, with all this power, nothing I could do. And I remember meeting him and I did, said nothing. I just held his shoulder from behind and gave him this book From Crisis to Liberation by Maheshwariji. I said, you read this book. I can understand your pain, but it will settle down. And I just went away. This man till date, you know, his whole life changed and he's remarried. He's so happy, everything. I mean, see, that is a moment. So contemplate the boundlessness of space and the endlessness of time. But what happens, this Avidya Mai Maya, she makes us forget. She says, this is it. So tell Avidya Mai Maya, please show me that other form of yours, Vidya Mai. I want to live in oneness. So by widening oneself, one can get a glimpse. It's not the, ultimately one has to do yoga, but mentally one can separate from the movement. When you separate from the movement, we are going toward that state where the idea separates from the movement of Prakriti. That's why it helps. Because then you can get back your poise. Right now we are involved in it. So then after the divine soul, he says, but then why this play has become what it is? And can it be retrieved? So there Shurabindo reveals that why it has got, what it has become. The idea has flown into the form. But it must learn. In the mind itself, there is a remedy. Mind itself can learn to separate back and can watch the movement. And from there, it can go back to its original poise. And regain its, uh, you know, so that's why all these things Mother has said, step back and through the psychic being you can glimpse the supramental life. Why? Because psychic being is connected to the central being, the Jivatma in the supramental world. So these are the roots they have shown to us. Everywhere she had not used the word supermind, but it is connected to that. When we learn to step back and see this is a passing wall, and of course when we lean upon the divine, we automatically begin to shape into his image. So that's where he shows the operation of the mind and the supermind. What does the mind do? Mind concentrates that totality into one small point. And thereby, when people concentrate, that's why it is said, uh, you know, when you think about yourself, life becomes miserable. Why? Because you are concentrating on a small little point. So what is the way? Lok Sangraharth. Live for a vaster aim, greater aim, larger truth. Things will happen, good and bad, pleasant, unpleasant. But always live for a larger aim. And then best is to manifest the divine will. Then one will be freed from this. So what does the mind do? The same super mind which is now moving towards realizing that idea. A time comes when it gets completely merged and submerged in that little point which it has created. It has created everything. Even in the infinitesimal of atoms, the super mind is present. 
and that is why we holding all its infinity of sachidananda that is why you can keep breaking it infinitely you will still not get at things because it is a reality which is not the sum of parts its fullness is present in each atom of existence so one can keep doing it keep cutting it but you won't reach the last bedrock because there will be always be something which you can take out of it but because of this complete absorption this forgetfulness this what is called as involution so all creation is a double process by involution the supermind throws itself into time and space by evolution it recovers itself but in the process each element is enriched and realizes something which was otherwise not possible so in the status of supramental uh, which is also the home of true gods true gods means over mind but there they are connected here the trimurti appear as separate but there they are together so our souls also are eternal companions there but when it falls and regains that status it is amazing it is something like you know you have gone through an entire adventure and after that you reach the status of the gods and the gods are waiting for you kya hua what is it like to be on earth what will you say you say go and realize understand it <laughs> it's amazing it's wonderful kya kya what all is there so then when you that delight of that whole adventure if we look at it like that life is wonderful that delight of the adventure of time and space if we look at the story like that everything is so wonderful but for the soul involved forgetful in that utter avidyamai it is painful so this is what he uh, he reveals to us in mind and supermind so i'll just read a few passages that the par was this par was known to the vedic seers by the name of maya maya meant for them the power of infinite consciousness mind you it is not some uh, some devil or some whoever as if god was so helpless before satan you know poor fellow brahm ko maya aaropit ho gayi brahman was just sitting quietly and saying uh, there are philosophies like that that you know souls were trapped by shaitan and then god said i'll come time to time and pick you back please at least allow some souls to come back and then he said okay i'll let you come i'll let you come and allow some souls to escape just imagine such an absurd thing we believe as if god is there and but this is the uh, kind of philosophy if we forget the link because we forgot vidyamai maya therefore we could not explain the many and the divine we didn't have the link this link is found in the ishopanishad where it speaks of vidyancha vidyancha yasta dvedo bhayam saha where it speaks of sambhuti asambhuti together where it speaks of andham tama pravishanti avidya and vidya and this hint we find again in the gita where shri krishna says i am that which is avyakt and i am also that which is abhivakt where he speaks of his maya my maya para prakriti he gives hints and this truth we see once again revealed by shurabindo but if you remove these three then this world is an insensible paradox 
And then you have to say there are two realities. One beautiful and the other is somehow has come. But this maya is maya power of infinite consciousness to comprehend, contain in itself and measure out. That is to say to form, for form is delimitation. Delimitation means to limit it. I mean, sometimes that English, delimit. <laughs> but delimitation literally means to uh, build a limit around it, like a wall or a fence. Name and shape out of the vast, illimitable truth of infinite existence. It is by Maya that static truth of essential being becomes ordered truth of active being. Again, that example. You know, guests are coming today. Please do something. Now this is, make something. Now this is a kind of illimitable being, something. Now, Maya has to arrange. She has to know that guests are coming. Who are the guests who are coming? When are they coming? Depending on that, things will be prepared. What may be their possible likes, dislikes? She will obviously not make karela because everybody may not like karela. Sweets is everybody's favorite. Okay, so she will arrange things in such a way <laughs> that uh, everything is deployed in time. So it is the power of the infinite consciousness. And rightly she takes the credit when people come. This fellow is just given the idea. So that is the relation between Ishwara and Shakti. That's why Shubhinda says, without the mother, all these truths would have remained unrealized. So she is the one who deploys everything in terms of time and space. People who couldn't understand that, they said that mother is creating her own things. It's nothing. She and Shubhinda are ex- absolutely one. If you just read through the literature, you'll understand that there is no difference at all. But she is giving concrete form and shape to Shurabindu's teachings, which are truth in their essence. So, it is by Maya that the static truth of essential being becomes ordered truth of active being. Or to put it in more metaphysical language, out of the supreme being in which all is all without barrier of separative consciousness, emerges the phenomenal being in which all is in each and each is in all for the play of existence with existence, consciousness with consciousness, force with force, delight with delight. This is the Vidyamai, this is the original. This play of all in each and each in all is concealed at first from us by the mental play or the illusion of Maya. This is the lower Maya. Avidyamai, which persuades each that he is in all, but not all in him. That's why the ego wants to see itself in all. It is very uncomfortable that somebody is thinking differently or feeling differently. It must see, it must possess everything. So it sees itself in all, but not all in itself. This is the error that happens. That he is in all as a separated being, not as a being, always inseparably one with the rest of existence. Like actors in a play. In a play you are fighting, but not that you will come out and take out a pistol and say, I actually shoot you. It doesn't, you know, because that's not how you... Afterwards, we have to emerge from this error into the supramental play or the truth of Maya, where the... See, again, the truth of Maya, the divine Maya is in the supermind, where... um, the each and the all coexist in the inseparable unity of the one truth and the multiple symbol. The lower, present and deluding mental maya has first to be embraced, then to be overcome. 
for it is god's play with division and darkness and limitation desire and strife and suffering in which he subjects himself to the force that has come out of himself and by her obscure suffers himself to be obscured that's because of the perfection of the play that's what we have just and he will reveal to us still white entered into the play but this part of the plan this distinction between the lower and the higher maya is the link in thought and in cosmic fact which the pessimist and illusionist philosophies miss or neglect to them the mental maya or perhaps an overmind is the creatrix of the world and a world created by mental maya would indeed be an inexplicable paradox and a fixed yet floating nightmare of conscious existence which could neither be classed as an illusion nor as a reality so this is how he explains and then he speaks about you know how supermind as a creator how the vedic rishis conceived in it as the creatrix of the world the foundation of all life now shri krishna puts it the roots are above ashwath tree that is where the foundation lies omnipotence omniscience truth consciousness seer will kavikritu that which sees and creates so there there is no gap here in the mental world we have to say okay i want to make this beautiful pattern but the will doesn't know how to go about there is a dissociation between the two but there what is seen is spontaneously created that is the power of the truth consciousness where light is one with force the vedic seers seem to speak of two primary faculties of the truth conscious soul they are sight and hearing by which is intended direct operations of an inherent knowledge describable as truth vision and truth audition and reflected from far off in our human mentality by the faculties of revelation and inspiration so these two faculties will tend to awaken once you are getting closer to the supermind in fact all the three intuition inspiration and revelation they come from these three operations of the supermind so these three operations are representative interpretative and imperative so representative is where supermind takes up each thing and say this represents that it's a symbol the mountain is a symbol of you know tapasya whatever we want to put physical consciousness ascending so represents and then this representation is actually an intuition which is um, Uh, you know we can get back to the representative through intuition but this intuition itself is in the supermind as a representative faculty then there is the interpretative faculty that is inspiration interpretative means the supermind takes the infinity infinite consciousness infinite existence infinite delight and takes it interpretation is not a mental interpretation this should be this and in the developed consciousness of the seer it takes the form of inspiration and then there is the imperative absolutely god said let there be light but there has to be a process that process is missed out so that process is the supermind it's the link between the higher truth and the lower but supermind belongs to the higher because it receives from there so there are four higher levels planes of existence sat chit ananda and the supramental we see now should be in the symbol and the three lower mind life and body 
So, what these mind, life and body are, Shubhendu will reveal to us. So, we leave it at that point of time. But in the symbol, we see the perfect square. That is the junction. That is the supramenta. Perfect perfection. Why it is called perfect perfection? Because it has the complete awareness of the one and of the many. And it knows the law of each each element fulfilling itself in a certain way. It's like the grand director. So, supposing you are a villain in a particular role given to you, then you start acting as if you are a hero, director, no, 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 you are overdoing. <laughs> you, you can't act like that. And if you are a hero and you don't show attitude, you say, Main tujhe lunga. then he will say, Ki, this is not the way a hero is supposed to speak. You should be leonine. So, what is happening? It knows the secret truth of each thing. And you must fulfill the play by being where you are put. It is very strange and interesting. <laughs> and you go through these phases. See, in our life, if you look at it, something very strange happens. You learn it with very bad experience. I mean, with painful experience. Each of us are, in some people's life, a hero. And in some people's life, a villain. Sometimes in the same person's life. You are a hero and a villain. And you wonder how this happened and why this happened. And then you say, Sabai Nachavat Ram Gosai. You never wanted to be a villain. Nobody wants to be a villain, I'm sure. And you don't have the consciousness of the villain. Yet things happen where you become the villain. So you wonder, and then the only way you can delight in this place, turning back to that original creative truth, the okay, through this villainy, something of God's purpose is being achieved. Can you imagine if, if this, you know, may sound like a, uh, of course, a, a cruel joke, a reality, but which is, but just imagine, Nalnida, the most faithful one of Sri in terms of the time from beginning. Do you know in the war which took place, the Trojan war, who was he? Shurabindu apparently was Paris, Dilip Kumar Roy was Hector, and Nolida was Menelaus. Can you imagine what was happening? Menelaus is the person whose wife has been taken away by Paris. Agamemnon's, Menelaus' wife. And he and Agamemnon actually come and attack. So they are standing face to face like enemies. But that's a role. So, if you look at it, how consciousness develops through every kind of experience. Well, so, okay. Um, mind is a passage, not a culmination. It possesses the power of development, of evolution, of making explicit, and that power carries with it the other power of involution, of envelopment, of making implicit. In a sense, the whole of creation may be said to be a movement between two involution. Spirit in which all is involved and out of which all evolves downward to the other pole of matter. Matter in which also all is involved and out of which all evolves upward to the other pole of spirit. Simplest way to understand involution and evolution is the tree becoming a seed and the seed becoming a tree. The tree puts itself by some kind of impulsion, God knows what. Well, now we know it is the supermind, the real idea. That's why Shubhinda says you cannot explain a drop of water without understanding God. When you understand supermind, then then one can actually, if one has to change the form, that's where the power lies. But it, this power cannot be given to anybody because 
uh, obviously there will be chaos. But man is given that power incidentally. And that power is imagination. The faculty of imagination is the... Because everything of the supermind is represented in the mind in some way. So the faculty of imagination is Maya out of her goodwill and love has given man also. Okay, take it. Use it for good or worse. But power of imagination is a formative faculty. And the forms it creates are real to itself. Think about a ghost and say, no, there is no ghost. And you see you are imagining a ghost around the corner. And you say, no, no, it's just my fantasy. Go there. You are watching a horror movie and say, it's a fantasy. Then you will end up saying, Mahavir jo naam sunave, bhut pishash Because you, you, <laughs> you have created a reality. It's something like that. Imagination in man is like that. So, this is how it carries within it. This is the power of involution. The mind has completely forgotten. It's a film. It's not reality. It is so much absorbed in watching that film called Exorcist or Omen that it says, it knows, a part of it knows this is movie, this is not real. There is no girl turning 360 degrees. And yet it gets the shock. I mean, the only horror, horror movie I have seen. So I can say this. After that, there is no horror, you only laugh. But you know, you, you suddenly spring and it continues with you even when you are, like for me, cycling back to your medical college hostel that array, suddenly you feel that thing is coming. Because it's a formative power. <laughs> Night, you don't want to cross the corridor and go to the bathroom because you don't know where that girl will spring up from. It is a formative power. It's a way to understand Maya. Okay, not, not an invitation to watch movies. Exactly. Never watch horror movies for this reason. Watch beautiful movies. Tell beautiful stories. So, this is how he reveals and then he says um, towards, I'll just quickly, the truth consciousness is everywhere present in the universe as an ordering self-knowledge by which the one manifests the harmonies of its infinite potential multiplicity. He is the primary grand master of the orchestra. If the truth consciousness were not present everywhere, then imagine what will happen at the atomic level. Everything will merge. There will not be an ordered universe where even chaos is used to create better order. That's the beauty of this universe. So it is everywhere in the atom, in the seed, everywhere. Therefore, when you worship everything, it, it makes sense, okay? Because God is everywhere. You can pick up a seed like that story in the Upanishad, cut it open and discover consciousness because it is everywhere. So, that which is an apparent discord to the mind because it considers each thing separately in itself is an element of the general ever-present and ever-developing harmony to the supermind because it views all things in a multiple unity. So, there is a poem of Shurabindo very remarkably says, If by my fall some gain is made to thee, it's okay. So many times in battle I have fallen. Because if by my fall, something was gained for you. So because there is only you, there is no other. There is only this great one manifesting. So these are the things about the super mind. And, uh, and time and space. 
the first poise, the second poise. So we'll just read these three poises and stop. We have seen what is the nature of this first and primary poise of the supermind, which founds the inalienable unity of things. But in this unity, not like Satchitananda, that all is all. In this unity, there is the individual element and the all, but they are together. So this is the first poise. For that is a timeless, it is not the pure Unitarian consciousness. For that is a timeless and spaceless concentration of Satchitananda in itself. In which conscious force does not cast itself out into any kind of extension. And if it contains the universe at all, contains it in eternal potentiality and not in temporal actuality. We ask Rishi, what are you doing up to? I am in delight, that's it. It is not... Then suddenly, what are you doing now? I'm, the idea of the Mahabharata comes. This, on the contrary, is an equal self-extension of Sachidananda, all comprehending, all possessing, all constituting. But this all is one, not many. There is no individualization. It is when the reflection of this supermind falls upon our stilled and purified self that we lose all our sense of individuality. Then in the second poise of the supermind, the divine consciousness stands back in the idea from the movement which it contains, realizing it by a sort of apprehending consciousness, following it, occupying and inhabiting its works, seeming to distribute itself in its form. In each name and form it would realize itself as the stable conscious self, the same in all, but also it would realize itself as a concentration of conscious self, following and supporting the individual play. That's why... Uh, there is nothing like everybody doing the same thing. Though everybody has come from the same origin, yet within each one, this truth, truth consciousness realizes itself differently. So there is nothing like everybody should, you know, uh, lean down on the ground and lift your hands to the top and wear some kind of topi and say the same words. No, that is falsehood. Each one, in each one it is developing itself uniquely. And a third poise would be attained if the supporting concentration were no longer to stand at the back as it were, inhabiting it with a certain superiority to it and so following and enjoying, but were to project itself into the movement and to be in a way involved in it. So these are the three poises we already spoken about it. It is indeed only when our human mentality lays an exclusive emphasis on one side of spiritual experience, affirms that to be the sole eternal truth and states it in the terms of our all-dividing mental logic, that the necessity for mutually destructive schools of philosophy arises. So I can take the position of this complete absorption in the, of the soul in mind. And it will remain forever there. So it becomes dvayata. This fellow remains here and there is that unity. But maybe by worship, praying, at least someday it will be raised up one day and just and taken to God. So this is the extreme of duality. Or it can take that second poise that while it is involved, it can get back through the idea into that reality. Or it can take the third poise where it becomes dvayata dvayata, the visist or complete Advaita, where there is nothing else but one reality. Second is Dvaita Advaita, and the third is complete Dvaita. But all three are movements of one. Once we understand that this is how the manifestation is taking place, then there is no issue, no problem, no complication. 
but the position that we have now firmly taken absorbs us from the necessity of these negations and exclusions. We see that there is a truth behind all these affirmations. The truth of Dvaita is complete absorption of the idea and the force into the form. The truth of Advaita is the idea and the form standing back. There is not yet the multiplicity which is manifested. And the truth of Dvaita, Advaita, or call it you know, different ways, Vishishta Dvaita, a hundred names, uh, is to say that yes, this is the reality because idea can separate itself, but this is what it has become for the sake of experiencing, like the wave and the ocean. But all these three are not three separate. They are three movements of one truth. And that truth is held by the supermind. We see that there is a truth behind all these affirmations, but at the same time an excess which leads to an ill-founded negation. Affirming as we have done the absolute absoluteness of that, not limited by our ideas of unity, not limited by our ideas of multiplicity. Affirming the unity as a basis for the manifestation of the multiplicity and the multiplicity as the basis for the return to oneness and the enjoyment of unity in the divine manifestation. We need not burden our present statement with these discussions or undertake the vain labor of enslaving to our mental distinctions and definitions the absolute freedom of the divine infinite. That's why Shubhinda was never fond of uh, putting his truth into some bracket of philosophy. People who say it is Visishta Dvaita, Abhinav Gupta, they are doing a great disservice. <laughs> Shubhinda himself never saw it like that. They are all different standpoints, different poises of the same soul, viewing itself. And each valid and limited None is the complete truth. The complete truth is that all three are poises of the one and that explains manifestation. At one place he says, um, the seed explains the tree and the tree the seed. But in a way, God explains both. So this is where we can stop today. Namaste. Vivekji is asking... Uh can you please explain the relationship between Maya and nature? Okay, so what we call as nature, actually we have three terms in Indian thought, Shakti, Ishwara and Shakti, when they are one together. And we have Maya, which of course there is that oneness, but the moment it loses that oneness, then we have Brahman and Maya. Shubhinda will describe it extensively in subsequent chapters. So the beauty of life divine is we wait, we have all the answers. And then the third poise where there is a distinction between Purusha and Prakriti. So Prakriti is the ultimate, that Shakti which is all-knowing and all-comprehending and all-wise and all-powerful. That limits itself to the Jiva. It's like it builds a form uh, of mind, life and body to for the individual soul which has completely forgotten itself and absorbed itself. So therefore it becomes a, its uh, nature. So nature is prakriti is where it has completely forgotten itself, its origin and seems to be, there can be no real separation, seems to be separated from the purusha who becomes only the intelligence and uh, whereas the prakriti becomes all the things which we read uh, the other day in Sankhya philosophy. So Prakriti is the executing force, but here it operates under conditions of ignorance. Though behind this ignorance also there is a knowledge which is working. 
the knowledge which is working that true that force which is one with omniscience and omnipotence that is shakti always it is behind the infinite consciousness behind the finite movement of forces is uh, shakti but here it manifests as prakriti which has forgotten itself which doesn't know that you know uh, it is uh, all knowing it is and yet in its actions you see glimpses the workings as if of an all knowing intelligence but it acts seemingly very mechanically take for instance the prakriti of a um, plant it grows in a certain way but look at the perfection that is behind it so always we see that uh, knowledge and ignorance uh, they are two poises of one truth so in that truth they are not seen as they are two operations of one reality but when you enter into ignorance it's prakriti it becomes ultimately jad tatva so those who want to you know there is a very nice parable which explains this very beautifully and is the story of uh, um, you know one is where shiva becomes uh, jad and uh, you know he forgets his origin and the other is where mother parvati you know if you read the tapasya of parvati so she is uh, divine mother but she forgets herself and she becomes uh, you know um, this material nature but from there she starts recovering herself all the time deep inside she is conscious of the lord so she knows that she is drawn to the lord it's again the story like that kanyakumari she is drawn to the lord because she has that shiva in the heart and shiva comes as different forms he comes first as a uh, you know wandering ascetic then as a yogi and then he says you know don't don't think of that man he don't think of shiva and she gets furious so shiva helps her to recover ultimately her own poise are they two they are one and this same parable again sati is the avidyamayi because she doesn't know her lord she loves him but yet she is ignorant so she is goes into the kingdom of prajapati where uh, everything is ordered in a certain way and shiva is infinite freedom so she has forgotten her infinite freedom and entered into the realm of possibilities potentialities and all that so prakriti is nothing else but we may say that infinite Uh, indivisible unity of the divine mother assumes the form of a divisible uh, you know working as if as if she is ignorant of what she is doing but all the time behind her she is conscious so this division is made only for uh, the sake of uh, limited cognate experience of human beings that there is prakriti to jad prakriti but always there is behind it the infinite shakti everywhere one can see this action but for our understanding we use the term similarly like prakriti and purusha they are not two they are one realities but they appear as two there is a little joke about it when mother was asked by someone that mother what is the difference between purusha and prakriti she looked at nalini da and said oh purusha and prakriti nalini will explain so nalini da suddenly what mother so he says if mother says she says i don't know nalini will explain that's how she said So Nalinda says, "The mother says, 'I don't know. I am completely ignorant.'" Then the mother laughed. This was his test, not like he suddenly, "Ha, I'll explain." <laughs> Nalinda, this is the vigilance. The mother says she doesn't know. Then I am totally ignorant. So then mother explains that they are not two. They are one reality, but two poises of one reality. This is what we see. What Shurvinder is revealing to us again and again. In its origin, they are one. but in its execution we see there is a passive truth and there is a dynamic truth now this dynamic truth starts moving to create 
and it creates and creates and creates and creates until it enters into the utter darkness of the inconscient void. There it becomes as if there is no prakriti. Ap prakriti im salilam and when it recovers itself, it appears a jada prakriti. And then it recovers itself in another state and becomes as prana prakriti and then it becomes manomaya prakriti. At the end it realizes, it is carrying the jiva along with it, that's the beauty. At the end it tells the jiva, look, you are coming from there. And unfortunately, what we have been taught, once the jiva sees I am coming from there, dvasuparna, then it says, oh, abandon prakriti. She has carried him all the way. But Shurabindu reminds, no, she is none else but the Divine Mother who for your own growth took this appearance. So then the Jiva must come back and say, yes, you two are Shakti and both go together. This is the whole story. Like a mother who forgets herself when she is angry with the child because she thinks of good of the child. It may look as if she is... um, not loving, but she is very loving at the same time. So, Prakriti is nothing else but a state in which the infinite uh, power seems to enter into a state of self-oblivion. But all the time, deep within, she is conscious of the Lord and also of the infinite uh, Shakti behind it. That's why the Prakriti never gives up. It keeps on creating and it has infinity before it. It creates as if it has no sense of time. Because Actually, it is from the infinite. Sir, uh, Rashmi Ranjanji is asking that, uh, please elaborate more on the central being, Jeevatman, soul and psychic being. Antara. Okay. So, central being is our, so Jeevatman is the term which is used in our uh, Indian spiritual literature. So, Jeevatman, where does it originate? It originates the moment one becomes the many. Which is in supermind. So actually the origin of the Jeeva Atman is in the supermind where it lives with the one in a state of inalienable unity. With the one as well as the many. So that's where our true home is. But then it has to descend into the play. Just as God descends into the play. So each Jeeva Atman sends a ray of itself into the play. It is supporting from behind. It has the original blueprint. It has been decided that you fellow, after all this play, you will grow up into this. This means some aspect of the divine. But it enters into that play in a state of complete self-oblivion. It forgets who it is. It just thinks I am prakriti, I am mind, I am body, body first. I am life, I am mind. When it identifies with the mind, it begins to... A recovery process starts at this, at that level, which will reveal in the subsequent passages. So... That portion of the Jeevatma which has entered into the play and has forgotten itself and is recovering now itself along with the Prakriti which envelops it, that is, will develop into the psychic being. So it is the soul which has entered into nature, in, into creation in time and space, in the play of time and space and it plays with nature just as Shakti becomes nature, so also the Jeevatma, the central being becomes this uh, soul or antaratma, call it whatever. Actually, there are no corresponding terms. But this antaratma develops and puts on a psychic personality, passing through death and life. So that's why the Isha Upanishad says, Abhidhyam Rityum Tirtva Abhidhyam Amritamashnute. So passing through life, death and life, it grows. And grows into what? It says, Are, 
That's my origin. Once it realizes that and puts on a full-fledged psychic personality, it has become a psychic being. Then if it wants, it can withdraw from the play. It has that option. So that little spark, Antaratma, has become a psychic being. Now it may withdraw from the play, but then when it looks up into the central being, it says, are, are, hold on, hold on. Your mission is to manifest this. And if it is not in the haste of feeling it is a separate psychic being from all the others, which is the roots a misguided mysticism takes. But the moment you realize the psychic being, you also realize the universality. All psychic beings or would-be psychic beings are all portions of the one. So you don't abandon the play. Now you enter into the play very consciously. All the time, the central being in the supramental with the creator holds the original blueprint. So we are in safe zone always. But here we go through Entering the play, coming out of the play, rise, fall, success, failure, through which ultimately we have to grow towards that. So psychic being is that portion of the soul or the jivatman entering into this play is the antaratman or the soul. It grows into a psychic being or the chatya purusha. But its original origin which always it retains is in the supramental world as the central being. Where it is... It knows its own truth. There is no falsehood and error there. So these are the three poises. Yes. And one final question for today, sir. Uh, Lakshmi Ji is asking that, can you please elaborate on formative power? So formative power is something we all have. So it's a power to give form. So for example, that, uh, you know, there is the idea, I want to paint. It's an idea. So what is the next level? Now this idea begins to first take a form in the mind. So form in the mind is that uh, I want to paint a beautiful picture. Then this idea becomes still takes a form in the mind like a picture of mother and child. Now this formative power enters into life and starts moving your hands, your vision, everything. And then it appears on canvas, so it takes a body. So formative power acts on all the three levels. The real idea which is inherent in everything. It takes a form in the many minds which we go through over a period of many lives. In each life it gives a certain form to the mind. It's like a mold and then a limited mold. Until we enter into a, develop into a state of consciousness, we have, we have access to the universal mind. That comes after uh, a few lives. But initially it gives a form to the mind. That's why our mind takes certain positions and sticks to it. But when we step back, we realize that all these are different standpoints of one universal mind. You see, that's why Sri says, when you realize that every truth that you hold as true, its opposite is also true. Then you are beginning to become ready for the divine. You may still, you have to hold on to this truth because this is a task given to you. But you have to understand that every standpoint of the mind is a standpoint taken by the one. So this is where the mental formative power can go. So, But the moment we become aware of that, then it is Vidya Mai Maya. <laughs> you, you are aware. Okay, this, is, this has its validity, that has its validity. Then you don't fight with each other. You understand ki that is also a truth. That is a valid at its own place. You understand this is also valid. 
then you don't hate. Let us say that, you know, there is a... Okay, let me not give an example. It may not be a good thing to give every time an example. Uh, but uh, it's like two people are fighting. So, each is trying to assert my point of view is right. The other is saying my point. Now, somebody who has gone past, it's a form. Idea has taken a form. But somebody who has gone past says both are right. It's like the Buddha. Someone came to him and said, you know, a Buddha has had to come in today. Buddha Punima. I was wondering when he will come. So somebody, you know, came to Buddha and asked him that, uh, I believe you say there is uh, no God. Is that right? He says, yes, it is right. So he goes and says, see, Buddha said there is no God. So a theist who believed in God came and said, he said, I believe you say that there is a God. Is that right? There is some permanent or something. He says, yes, that is right. So go and find both of them he said, yes, that is right, but you go and find it. So then a third person he comes and says, and he says, is this true? He says, yes, this is also true. Then the person who is with Buddha is totally confused. He says, sir, you told to both of them that they are right and they must seek. Won't it create a confusion? He says, you are also right. <laughs> <laughs> so you see, every standpoint has its own validity. Given that form. So what gives that form to a truth? A limited form. That is the mind at the level of the mind. The formative power limits it. To take this approach. In a certain mind. Then this form wants to express itself. So it takes a living. It enters into force. Which operates as life. And its processes. Builds organizations. Institutions. And then it takes a material body. So these are the three levels at which every form operates. So that which gives form is the original formative power. But as it comes down the layers, it gets distorted and deflected by the karigars. I mean all the people involved in the work. Everybody says, I'll make something of my own. So that's why this world becomes slowly the appearance, the truth becomes distorted. But this distortion in the end serves a purpose. And that purpose is to make this play infinitely interesting and highly complex to build up perfection which is beyond measure. So that is why this distortion was allowed. And it's not illusion in the sense that it is non-existent, a fantasy. Because even if it is a dream, it comes from the dreamer. So it is not, it is unreal. But it is a distortion which can be corrected. So... Formative power means that, that which gives forms. So we should align ourselves with truth forms. So there is a faculty, Shabindu reveals as truth imagination, where you give truth forms. But when we lose it, we give forms which are distorted, ugly, asuras, you know, give, you know, forms, tattoos on the skin which are grotesque, uh, and um, music is a form. Very music which just titillates the senses. So you can give beautiful forms like gods. You can create ugly forms. But the power is the same. Formative power of Maya. That's how it is. Thank you so much sir for uh, answering our questions and clarifying our doubts. So with this we have reached the end of today's lecture. And now we will observe a minute of silence. And